0: This is the Turnover Podcast by Noah White. This podcast will address most sports news with both debating and often predicting, with two episodes happening each week on Monday and Friday. There will be no commercials and will be quick-moving, analyzing multiple topics about from the past week and the, fir- and the coming week on sports. It will cover multiple sports, but specifically football, basketball, and baseball at both the collegiate and professional levels episodes will be released Monday mornings and Friday mornings and most Monday episodes will be addressed towards the news from the past week and what different events will be happening in the coming week to preview those events. Fridays will feature a short rundown of news but mostly predictions and debating different topics in the sports world from the past week and the coming week and some certain events that will be happening. This podcast will often become between me, the host, Noah, and different um, guests that will join our podcast at times to debate these topics. Um, we will begin our sh- uh, keep in mind, feedback is wanted at any time to help develop a better podcast from the audience and the listeners, and we will be looking for questions that we will answer usually on our Monday shows from anyone in the audience at any time. In this episode, we will go through no huddle giving the news of the last week and discuss what's going on in a very quick and snappy fashion to help you just get the basics of what's happening in the sports world in the last week. Even though at this time, in such a terrible time, there isn't all that much news happening at the moment. Our first topic that we will debate between me and a guest will be about what's happening with the Houston Texans. In the last week, Bill O'Brien has had an interesting trading uh well different trades that he has made that will leave you wondering what he is doing and if he's really just trying to get himself fired. We will debate that and then we will talk about what's happening in FA free agency and kind of sum up who's left and what else and what all teams have gotten. After we do that, our final segment will be the first installment of the draft series and will cover all offensive prospects, giving you a summary of QBs, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and all offensive linemen in the best way so you can prepare for the draft happening in late April. Our first part, our first section of this episode will be no huddle, which will go through the news from the past week in the sports world, even though there is not all that much news at this time. Um, Houston traded for Brandon Cooks in the past week, which I believe they traded a second and a fourth round pick for. After having traded DeAndre Hopkins weeks prior to the Cardinals, this leaves many people wondering what Bill O'Brien, the manager and coach of the Texans, is doing and whether he is going to get fired anytime soon. This um the Bulls made Nuggets uh the prior Nuggets GM executive VP of basketball operations this past week. Um free agency in the NFL is wrapping up with Cam Newton and Jameis Winston among names still left on the market after having not been signed recently. They're likely to get signed after the draft, but we'll address that later on in the episode. MLB is looking to restart early in early May in an isolated Uh, Arizona Cactus League Fields, which is where many MLB teams play their spring games uh, in Arizona, and they're looking to isolate all the teams in Arizona and have them play their games there, as the Korean League is doing in Korea right now, with all their teams being isolated, um... Betting odds for the Super Bowl were released in this past week, for next year's Super Bowl, obviously, were released in this past week, with the Chiefs as the best chances and the most popular bet to win the Super Bowl next year, which doesn't shock all that many people, considering they were returning 20 of their 22 starters from past season. Uh, ESPN is airing a horse competition tonight and in the next following nights which will include NBA players and retired NBA players, along with WNBA players. The Headlining names are Trey Young and Zach Levine, with the best bet being Trey Young's of winning the competition. So the majority of tonight's episode will be centered around football, since there isn't much other sports news out right now. Our first topic will be addressing the Texans and the Rams, who have both made trades recently. The Texans, a couple weeks ago, traded DeAndre Hopkins, to the Cardinals, making people wonder what Bill O'Brien is doing considering DeAndre Hopkins is a star wide receiver and the Texans got nothing back other than a running back who's on a terrible contract and a fourth-round pick. The Rams then, in the past week, traded Brandon Cooks, who's like an aging wide receiver, and I mean, he used to be really good, but he's not like amazing anymore, to the Texans for a fourth-round pick. Both of these trades seem not all that great, and the Texans trading for Brandon Cooks may seem like Bill O'Brien trying to make up for getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins, but this year's draft is loaded with wide receivers, so it doesn't make all that much sense to trade for an aging wide receiver on a bad contract. This poses the question, though, do either of these teams have the chance of making the playoffs this year with the Texans in the AFC and the Rams in the NFC and having traded many things in the past year or so with the Rams having gotten rid of Tons and tons of their players since their Super Bowl two years ago, and the Texans making definitely weird trades by the week with Bill O'Brien as the GM. I, with my guest today, I will be asking her, Do does she think the Rams or the Texans will make the playoffs in 2020, assuming there is a season?
1: I don't. I do not think neither the, um, the Rams nor the Texans will make the playoff um, for a couple of reasons. First off, the Texans, um, in their division, they have Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. And in that division, um, I think it's a, you know, it probably has some other teams in the division that could make a good run for the Texans right now. Tennessee got back Henry, and uh, they re-signed Henry, they uh, re-signed Tannehill. Uh, So they're going to have basically the same team that they went all the way with last year, um, which gives them pretty good odds again. Um, Jacksonville's, yeah, and uh, Indianapolis, as I have heard it recently, has made some decent trades that maybe put them in a little bit better shape. I think they were in a bit of a behind-the-eight ball last year when they lost their quarterback at the very beginning of the season without much chance to go out and get another quarterback then. So maybe we'll see if Indianapolis is made up a little bit more this year. But even if they aren't, I think Tennessee probably can get the Texans to run for their money. Um, That said, I think another reason the Texans aren't going to be all that great is because the trade that they made... Um, I think it discounted the value of DeAndre Hopkins uh, relative to that team. Uh, Not just that he was a really good receiver, but I think there's a lot of value in having um, a receiver quarterback chemistry like um, he had with Deshaun Watson. Because I think a quarterback, um, the the really good quarterbacks, you can see how they rely on um, their go-to player when they're having their checkdowns. Um, and that they know that there is somebody that they can absolutely rely on to be open and to be consistent and to make plays for them, Um, even when, you know, maybe not the best pass in the world. It's uh, a a receiver that can catch the pass, regardless of the circumstances, is worth a lot. And I think when you take that out of uh, Deshaun Deshaun Watson's lineup, um, I think you uh you, you maybe make him a little more panicky in his decisions in the end. If you don't have that reliable player that you can that you can count on, um, I think you, you you lose a lot more than maybe they were factoring in when they made that trade. Um, I think um What would you have to say about the Rams making the playoffs then? Um, so first off I think the Rams are just in a tremendously difficult division to make the playoff in the first place. Um, they have the Cardinals, which, uh, were the benefactors of the Texans trade. Um, they now have DeAndre Hopkins, which is out there, who's out there with Kyler Murray. Um, they lost, uh, David Johnson as a running back, but that said, David Johnson hasn't been producing quite as well recently as he was in the past, and as you noted, he was on a pretty significant contract. So, um, they have a, they have a lot to work with out there now, and I have a feeling the, uh, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Combination is going to be pretty impressive um I'm looking forward to seeing that it's it's uh, you know really good I think you know Kyler Murray had Larry Fitzgerald, but Larry Fitzgerald's getting quite long in the tooth and so having a really great receiver with Kyler Murray will um probably do wonders for his career out there in and in, in uh in arizona um They're in the same division with San francisco, and obviously that's a pretty strong team. Um, and Seattle's, you know, uh, Russell Wilson made quite a run last year and was fairly impressive for them too. So I just think they're in too strong of a division to even make much of a showing given the fact that they gutted their team from when they made the Super Bowl a couple of years ago.
0: Um, I think I would have to agree with your point on the Rams. They're in a very strong division with the 49ers only getting stronger since their season last year and keeping almost everyone except for Emmanuel Sanders, who was traded to the Saints, well, assigned with the Saints. I think the Seahawks are very strong still, even though they may regress somewhat with, uh, with probably the loss of Jadavian Clowney, who m- might sign with either the Titans, my team, or the Browns, who have just seem to have money to just keep tossing at high free agents such as Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin, which they just keep signing to make that offense better and better. But um, I also think Arizona will get drastically better because Kyler Murray showed flashes last year of being really good, winning rookie of the year. And um, they have Christian Kirk at wide receiver to go along with um, Larry Fitzgerald and DeAndre Hopkins. So that's a formidable wide receiver group. And they also have Kenyon Drake at running back, who's really good, and they re-signed him. And their defense will only get better because they were the worst in the league. And I think the Rams just have no chance of making it in the AFC, so I have to agree with you there. But I will differ with you on the Texans in the AFC. The AFC has repeatedly not been all that strong, other than the Patriots, who now have Jarrett Stidham, who I can find a better guy and shop and stop, stop and shop, to play quarterback for the Patriots then, and Brian Hoyer, who's like 84, and... Uh, so there's no other AFC team that's all that strong other than the Chiefs, really. The Ravens are formidable, but Lamar Jackson needs to prove that he can win a playoff game and especially throw in a playoff game, which he didn't do this year against the Titans. And there is the AFC just isn't all that strong. The Titans were pretty good last year, though we need to all notice that they were nine and seven entering the playoffs and they barely fell in with the sixth wild with the sixth seed in the wild card spot and That doesn't show well for your division. If you have the Jaguars, who are with Gardner Minshew, and that's not great, even though they may draft a quarterback or get Cam Newton or something like that. And then you also have uh, the um, Colts, who have Phillip Rivers now, but he threw 21 interceptions last year and seems to be regressing drastically since when he was at his peak on the Chargers. And then you also have... um, The Titans, as I talked about, who did re-sign Derrick Henry and did sign Ryan Tannehill, which I actually would say wasn't actually a great decision, but they had to re-sign him because he was good enough. And then I just think the Texans are in a weak enough division to make a run because they still have, as I said, Brandon Cooks here, who is an okay wide receiver even though he's on a terrible contract. I think David Johnson actually may take a step up and play better this season and might actually do pretty well in the Texans' running game last year wasn't amazing, Deshaun Watson has always showed that he's a really good quarterback. So you have Deshaun Watson with an okay running back and Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller who I think will break out as a star this year at the Texans wide receiver spot. I think the Texans will end up going like 11-5, and 10-6, and, and will uh, either win the division or maybe take the wild card spot and will end up making the playoffs with that strong of a roster. Do you have anything to say to that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do. So here's my thought on that though. Um, The Texans, with the ingredients they had last year with DeAndre Hawkins, didn't make it. So your argument would seem to be that, um, well, even if they did make it, they didn't make it very far. Um, But your argument seems to be that that the trade is going to put them in better condition than they were last year when they had DeAndre Hawkins, and I think that's a tough argument to make. Well... I'm not saying it will make them better, because they won the division last year and
0: they just had the bad luck of having to play the Chiefs in their in the uh divisional round. And that was an awful thing considering the Chiefs just ran through everybody they played. The Texans were up twenty four to zero on the Chiefs at one point in that game, and the Chiefs just proved they could win and win. We all need to notice also, Bill O'Brien is looking to get himself fired because you have there were reports that he had disagreement with DeAndre Hopkins about having his uh baby mother around at the games, and they disagreed. And Bill O'Brien said that he shouldn't have her around, and so he traded him when he said he was going to keep her around. And this is just a report, which was reported on ESPN a couple weeks ago. And it seems that Bill O'Brien is just doing whatever's going to keep him in power. That's not great for an organization. He was the coach entering last season, and then they decided to make him the GM for no reason apparently because he didn't prove anything up till then and he hasn't proved anything since then he got rid of their best receiver but I still think the Texans have enough talent in a bad division with a bad coach and GM at the same time and they're just going to fall backwards into the playoffs and lose in the first round once again
1: so I think basically though your two arguments there just um, I think you're just going to cut a different direction I mean as you said um, Bill O'Brien is kind of imploding that team and I think it's really difficult to keep morale up and going on a team when you have a GM kind of running wild like that and, and uh, you know trading away your star receiver that um, you know that that's just probably going to destroy a little bit of the team internally as a result of that um, and I think you know no matter how you slice it um, you know you you were saying that the Texans went up against the Chiefs last year but you know in the AFC even though the uh, Lamar Jackson did so horribly in the playoffs contrary to the rest of his season you know you are you're probably going to for a few years it, it looks like you know you're going to have to go up against the teams like the Chiefs and um you know the Ravens and you've got to be able to do that and i'm just not certain i mean maybe they make the playoffs i don't i'm not 100% certain that they would beat Tennessee and make the playoffs this year i think Tennessee might be you know kind of riding on a high after having made it there um, last year and uh, doing so well and then um, you know uh, managing to keep together most of the team um, but also too, I have a different question for you in the same uh, vein of thought you were just saying that uh, the Seahawks were talking about uh, or they're, they're getting talking about getting rid of Clowney and Clowney might go to Tennessee um, how do you think that's going to factor in and you know if Clowney goes to Tennessee what does that do for Tennessee's chances?
0: Oh uh, well, it obviously makes Tennessee stronger because their defensive line need a little bit of help last year, and they traded away their best defensive lineman, Drew Casey, for a 6 round pick, which means they basically trade away nothing. They're just trying to get rid of money in their area, but um, their de- defensive line need help. They went and got Vic Beasley already, who's who was really good in twenty sixteen when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, but uh, just regressed since then. They have Harold Landry, who's a young star who will probably get better and better, and Andrew and klein would just give you another different defensive lineman who would make that team even better, but they also be losing Logan Ryan, who was their number one cornerback this past season, even though they still have two other cornerbacks in Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. I just don't think their defense, for one, will be strong enough, and I think Derrick Henry is liable to get injured before they make it to the playoffs because his style of running is just too dangerous, so... I think the Texans just have the best chance of making it in because they're they're the safest pick because they've been there every year for like the last five years. They have a coach who, even though he's making terrible trades, makes them get to the playoffs every year somehow. And they have an amazing quarterback who's able to carry them to the playoffs. But I would like to argue, though, that Deshaun Watson is only the fifth best quarterback in the AFC, which would be a good argument for another day. Okay, thank you for coming on our podcast today. It's good to have you as our first guest in our first episode, and we hope to see you again. Thank you. Our next section in the podcast will be a free agency recap of what all happened in the NFL free agency season of signings. So far, some of the biggest moves have happened with quarterbacks. One major move was Tom Brady moving to Tampa, as we all may know. The Patriots were unwilling, when reports Bill Belichick was unwilling to pay Tom Brady his fifty million that Tampa Bay offered him in the long run. So Tom Brady decided he would go to Tampa, where they have multitudes of wide receivers and talent that will work around him with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Cameron Brate, O.J. Howard and Ronald Jones, and great offensive coaching on that team. So Tom Brady went to Tampa making that different. Another old quarterback moving from place to place was Philip Rivers, who went from the Chargers. I he went from the Chargers to the Colts, which was an interesting move considering the Colts already had Jacoby Brissett and the Colts were going to be considered a Super Bowl contender last year until Andrew Luck left. But they didn't succeed and it all just bottomed out and so they decided they were going to what I think is risk it and go for Phillip Rivers here in, like, a one-year aspect of they're going to win now. Now, I think this won't really succeed, as I talked about in the last section. I think that taking Philip Rivers wasn't the right move, and I think it won't end up working out because Phillip Rivers was really not accurate last season considering he threw 21 picks and only 23 touchdowns. And, the, but... Older quarterbacks are beginning to move around the league. This also left the Chargers. We need to also examine, though, what the teams that lost their older, reliable quarterbacks have now sitting in their place, with neither of them having signed another quarterback since. The Chargers are stuck with Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick as their whole quarterback room. And Tyrod Taylor is a starter who, in 2017, led the Bills to the playoffs. It was either 2016 or 2017, led the Bills to the playoffs and um, they didn't win a game, but they made a, didn't win a game in the playoffs, but they did make the playoffs there. And Tyler Taylor is a proven quarterback, so I don't think it's the end of the world that all they have Tyrod Tyler Taylor. There are speculations, though, that Cam Newton, who's one of the highest remaining free agents, may end up going to the Chargers. I think this would be a good fit, because all those Chargers fans, I feel so sorry for them. They're not used to seeing a quarterback who can actually move. Uh, Phillip Rivers is out there with a cane at the moment, walking around the pocket, and I mean... Honestly, moving from Philip Rivers to Cam Newton would be, in my opinion, an upgrade for the Chargers because Cam Newton, when healthy, is a very good quarterback. You see on all these ESPN shows and things like that people talking about how Cam Newton is just injury-prone and he's never really going to succeed. But Cam Newton was, five years ago, a MVP and sitting in the Super Bowl with a team that wasn't amazing. They had a good defense but weren't like an amazing team. And Cam Newton was a very, very talented player. On that team. Cam Newton can be an MVP contender. In fact, I'll bet this right now. If Cam Newton were to go to the Chargers in a scheme where he'd have tons of wide receivers and Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, and all those players there with uh, um, Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen. And then have Austin Eckler as his running back. Cam Newton would be an MVP contender within the next two years if he went there. And I would bet at the moment that is the most likely place to land. The other team that lost their star quarterback was the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots now have, as I said in this last, uh, section, Jared Stidham, and, um, and Brian Hoyer, and Brian Hoyer, I think, is 34, even though he did fill in on the Colts last year a couple games, and was average at best, he's in their thing, and then Jared Stidham's out author- there, they released Cody Kessler in the last week, former USC Trojan, and, um, leaving them with only two quarterbacks with neither having much experience. Jared Stidham came in through four passes in relief last year and then only threw no touchdowns and one pick six. That's not all that great. Um, but the Patriots are left sitting here without anything at quarterback, really, and they believe that they're going to play Jared Stidham and he's going to succeed. And I don't believe that. I think most likely the Patriots will end up drafting – a quarterback in the second round, most likely Jacob Eason, but could be a Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm really fits like the typical Patriot quarterback. Who's very, he's not the most talented, but he's very uh, calm, knows the pocket well, moves around, and like he's able to make the right throws very calmly. So neither the Patriots nor the Chargers have gotten a quarterback yet after losing their older quarterback. One of the biggest parts of free agency, even though it wasn't a free agency move, was the trade of De- DeAndre Hopkins DeHop, to the cards. And this could be a really interesting fit. The Kyler Murray, very talented quarterback. I talked about this last time. Kyler Murray, very talented and has a lot of upside, would be getting a great wide receiver to go along with another a couple of good wide receivers that he already has there and a really good offensive scheme to work with him with Cliff Kingsbury and all that. So, But the Texans, for no apparent reason, traded him to the Cardinals for D- David Johnson, who's on a bad contract and hasn't produced in a couple years, even though I drafted him in the first round of my fantasy football draft last year. That was a terrible decision. And, um, that was really disappointing. But, uh, back to the football part of this. They also got a fourth-round pick, which, fourth-round picks aren't all that valuable in the draft anymore, considering... Well, actually, there are... Once you get to, like, the end of the third round, the value drops off majorly, So you're not getting all that talent anymore. So the Texans didn't gain all that much from this, even though I think Dave Johnson may succeed next year on the Texans. Then the Texans went and got Brandon Cooks in a trade, which, once again, is another interesting move considering Brandon Cooks is getting older, and he still has some talent, but he's on a terrible contract, so it's not going to be great there on the Texans. After that, the Texans also... Not the Texans. Also, the Falcons made a couple of very big, big moves for this next coming season. The Falcons, next year if they were to start with a three-wide receiver lineup, would have all 11 starters on the offensive side be former first-round picks. You'd have Matt Ryan at quarterback. You'd have Todd Gurley, which was their biggest free agency move at running back, who I think will be still very good next year. And then they also have at-wide receiver Julio Jones, who's probably the best wide receiver in the league or one of the top best. We'll have debate that in on another day. And then they also have Calvin Ridley, who's an up-and-coming receiver from Alabama. And Laquan Treadwell, who was a top wide receiver prospect in 2016, but didn't do all that well in Minnesota and is looking for a new start. They also have Hayden Hurst, who was a Ravens tight end, but as we all know, they had like four tight ends there who played last year, so they need to get rid of someone. And so they traded Hayden Hurst to the Falcons. They also have five, all five offensive linemen were former first-round picks. So the Falcons are going to have a very interesting offense next year. With a lot of scoring from the Falcons, it really just kind of depends on their defense. In my opinion, though, the Falcons will be, and quote me on this, the Falcons will be a fringe uh, Super Bowl contender next season with all their talent. But when we do our NFL Power Rankings prior to next season, assuming there is a season, you will see where I think the Falcons will be standing. Because I think these moves will actually pay off majorly in the long run. I may talk about this with my next guest also. Uh, The Ravens bolstered up their defense with Calais Campbell, who was in the Pro Bowl last year. He was on Jag- on the Jaguars. When the Jaguars were really good a couple years ago, he was their top sacks leader. And so he went to the Ravens here, and the Ravens-, the Ravens will be probably even better than they were last year, even though they still need to be able to prove that they can win a playoff game after having lost to the Chargers two years ago and the Titans this year. Neither of those games looked all that great. But the Ravens are starting to start up. They almost got Michael Brockers, which was an interesting situation from the Rams. But somehow they weren't able to negotiate a contract with him, even though he agreed to go with them. And so Michael Brockers ended up going back to the Rams, and they lost a solid defensive end right there. Coming out of free agency, Byron Jones is the highest-paid year-to-year player at cornerback. He was a Cowboys cornerback, and he went to the Dolphins. The Dolphins also added a lot of talent Weirdly on their team with multiple different players like Shaq Lawson, Byron Jones, uh, Kyle Van Noy, I think Kyle Van Noy, and then a couple other players might have been someone else, but I think it was Kyle Van Noy, and then a couple other players on their defense. It was really interesting what the Dolphins did this season. They're almost preparing to, once they get to a which you will see in my mock draft in a couple weeks here, to make a run and see if they can do anything in an AFC East, which is just free for the taking after the Patriots lost Tom Brady. So Byron Jones ends up with the most money and overall of any player in free agency. When that was also leave me to talking about how Dallas has a problem on their hands at the moment. Dallas will not be a playoff team in 2020 season. Dallas has lost, even though Dallas did end up signing uh, Dak Prescott to the franchise tag, which was a terrible decision, and they have jo- till July 15th to sign him to a full-on contract. And they need to sign him to a full-on contract. I'm not sure what's holding them up at the moment. But there are reports that it's not really the money. It's the, how it's spread out over time. And Dak Prescott wants him to be a short contract while they want it to be a longer contract. But the Cowboys signed Amari Cooper to a five-year contract, signed Ezekiel De- um, a year ago to a full contract, and but never signed their quarterback, even though it seems their quarterback may be one of the most talented quarterbacks in the whole league at the moment. Dak Prescott, even though he's not like a top, top top-level quarterback, you need to be able to sign. When you have a franchise quarterback, you have to be able to sign him, and they need to make their move. And I think them just losing these players, like losing Byron Jones and signing all these other players instead of Dak Prescott, is just, it's going to lead to Dak Prescott leaving over time, and they will not make the playoffs next year with their roster at the moment. Coming out of free agency, I would say the winner at the moment would have to be either the Buccaneers or the Falcons because the Buccaneers got their quarterback they wanted and Tom Brady is going to be able to execute with their great offense and all their talented players. And then the Falcons also got all this talent on offense and it will just be fun to see what they have to do next season. It will be really interesting just to see how this goes out. But as of now, the Falcons are the winners of free agency. The final section of our Monday podcast will be the often will be addressing the offensive side of the NFL draft coming in a week on Thursday, in on Thursday in two weeks here. Um, we will be doing the offensive side on our Monday podcast here, and then we'll also be doing the defensive side on the Friday podcast, and we'll be talking with a guest about the defensive players and uh, what they think about these players, and then generally what they think will end up happening in the draft. And then on that Monday prior to the draft, when our final podcast prior to the draft is released, we will release our mock draft in that podcast, which will go pick-by-pick live with two guests just to uh, announce that. So here is our offensive side of the draft we'll be rounding up. We're not going to be really saying who I think each team will get, but we'll kind of be addressing, like, what players are good at each position, who I think the busts are at each position, who the highest reward is, first off the board, and then the late-round jewel kind of players who late round picks but could end up being really good, like Dak Prescott or someone like that, who was is, who is drafted in the fourth round, or obviously Tom Brady, who's not the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, our QBs in this draft are, like, the headlining names, like Joe Burrow to... Uh, um, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love, who's been moving up the draft boards recently, especially in Todd McShay's draft on ESPN. But Jordan Love's like, uh went to Utah State. Uh, he threw a ton of picks last year, but he's looked like to have a ton of talent on the side, and he didn't have much offensive weapons. So everyone thinks that Jordan Love's moving up the draft boards, but you'll see what I think about that. So here are our quarterbacks here. I think the first off the board, so we're going to do four sections, actually, for each position on the offensive side. We're going to have first off the board, we're going to have the highest reward players who I think will have the best chance of succeeding, um, who, like end up being the best players in the NFL, who I think the busts are, who are the players who are going to like screw up and that kind of thing, and who, who I think the good later on players are. Our first off the board in quarterbacks is obviously Joe Burrow because the Bengals have made quite clear they're not willing to trade that pick and the Dolphins aren't going to give them enough to trade for that pick. So the Bengals are going to end up taking their quarterback of the future. And Joe Burrow, who I do believe is very talented, but he did have a great LSU scheme with him last year. He had some amazing receivers, though I'll address that in the receivers group here in a little bit. And he, was, he had it all going for him last year. So Joe Burrow will be the first off the board, and he's a very good quarterback, but I'm not sure if he's the best, which I'll get to now. The highest reward quarterback, in my opinion, is not Joe Burrow, but Tua. When Tua is at his best, he is probably the best quarterback in this draft. Tua is very, he has a Drew Brees-like kind of ability. He's kind of short, but he has a strong arm, and he gets it, he's very, very accurate. He's just very injury-prone. If Tua will be able to stay away from the injuries, which I think he will in the NFL, he'll be able to stay away from the injuries, and I hope he gets drafted by a team like the Dolphins, which won't play him immediately. If Tua is able to stay injury-free in the NFL, Tua will be the most successful quarterback of all the quarterbacks in this draft. The bust of our quarterback group is Jordan Love. I talked about him a mango, but I just don't think Jordan Love has proved enough. He's going to get drafted too high, and he's not going to succeed enough in the NFL. There are some people like Todd McShay have said that Jordan Love may even get drafted at number six on the boards by the Chargers, which is way too high for a quarterback who threw 21 touchdowns and 17 interceptions in the Mountain West on Utah State. Now, yes, he didn't have much talent, and yes, he had to play teams such as LSU, among others, last year during his season. But he didn't show enough to worthy the comparisons to Patrick Mahomes that some people are giving him, such as Todd McShay, who, in my opinion, isn't a great draft analyst. And then your final late round jewel of the quarterbacks, who's gonna be the real, who's gonna be a late round pick, and's gonna sign a lower contract. The that player is going to be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was. Very good in college, one of the historically better college quarterbacks. He played for two programs in Alabama and Oklahoma. Very successful in Alabama in a program that's not really centered on offense, but then transferred to Oklahoma, as we all know, and had a very successful season there with 32 pass touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns last season which are insane numbers, and I think Jalen Hurts, who may be drafted 2nd, 3rd, 4th round, he will end up being a Dak Prescott-esque kind of player. We saw the other day that he was in a video meeting with the Cowboys, which is very interesting because they have a quarterback like him and Dak Prescott. And Jalen Hurts will be very successful in the NFL. As a player late in the rounds, he's, he makes good decisions, he has a pretty strong arm, and he's fairly accurate, and Jalen Hurts will be a good quarterback in the NFL. Our running backs in this draft are isn't it's not a strong class running backs, and it's been seen recently, as in the 2015 draft, where I think it was 22 running backs were drafted in the first. Uh, 22 running backs were select, selected in the 2015 NFL draft. None of them are still on the team that drafted them at this point. You have running backs such as Melvin Gordon, who's now in the Broncos, Todd Gurley, who's now in the. Falcons, Jay Ajayi, who's nowhere uh, now that he was on the Dolphins, David Johnson, who went from the Cardinals to the Texans, and TJ Yeldon, who's on the Bills now at this point. Drafting running backs high in a draft is not a good decision, in my opinion, and it isn't high. Running backs can be found anywhere and are very... Running backs are injury-prone, so drafting a running back high is risky. You can get talent in like the 4th round that's just as good as your 1st round talent for and you'll have to pay him much less. So, our first off the board running back would be DeAndre Swift from Georgia. Very talented running back from Georgia, but obviously, he's probably the highest overall rating of running backs in this class. He he was a solid running back, he's really fast. He's kind he's not that big, he's pretty short, but he has a strong build. He's going to be able to run through people. He could be drafted by a team like the Chiefs, which would make their offense look unstoppable at points like this. But DeAndre Swift will probably be the highest running back drafted, probably late to late in the first round to mid-first round. Our highest reward running back is Jonathan Taylor, the one of the most successful running backs in the history of college football, even though we will debate that another day when we talk about the different uh, position groups in college football history and who was the greatest. And all those things. Jonathan Taylor, a very talented running back, um, was at Wisconsin, and through three years, was one of the top, I think, six rushers in NCAA history. Only three years. Didn't take the fourth year as the five prior to him did to get their records. He would have probably surpassed all the records and became the highest, the the number one rusher in NCAA history. But Jonathan Taylor is considered to be a later round pick, probably. Because he didn't run the fastest forty time, and he's not like he doesn't he's not super tall, but he's not like he's not the greatest build, but he was a very successful running back in college. And I think he'll end up being very successful in the NFL as well, and he'll be able to stick around. Our bust is J.K. Dobbins. This may shock a lot of people, but um J.K. Dobbins, who was on the Ohio State Buckeyes. He had a good system around him, I think he was very good when he was on the buckets, but I just don't think he's going to be able to do as well as he's projected to in the NFL. People have him being the first running back off the board, which is an overrating of him because there are other running backs such as Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift who are probably more talented than he is in a draft class that just isn't full of running backs. So I think J.K. Dobbins won't end up succeeding all that well in the NFL. He's not incredibly fast. He's not incredibly strong. He just doesn't have one single thing going for him. And then the late-round pick would be Cam Akers. I watched the other day a Florida State versus Syracuse game while I was sitting in my house. It was re-airing on ACC Network or something. And I was sitting here watching, and Cam Akers is, was a really good player. Now I'm he was playing the Syracuse defense, but I looked up his stats. And this isn't a podcast that likes to be based on stats. We don't look at just the stats. As a fan, you don't want to focus on the stats. He When you watch Cam Akers run, he has the speed to get past anybody, but he also can run in you and run you over. And he had like 221 rushing yards in that game and like three touchdowns, and he played very well. But throughout the season, Cam Akers has showed this flashy ability to play well. He was a top prospect a couple of years ago when he was in there, but he just went to Florida State, and they started to go downhill around that time, so no one really saw him. And so I think he'll end up succeeding really well in the NFL, but he's not going to be a high pick. Now focusing on your wide receivers, and we're going to call it tight ends group too, but there are no good tight ends in this draft with nobody who's going to be picked in the first round as a tight end. So we're going to focus mainly on just the wide receivers for that group. You have a very talented wide receivers group this year. I feel like 7 or 8 wide receivers who could go first round, and you're going to have at least 10 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds. Your first off the board obviously is going to be Jerry Judy. He there are other great receivers like C.D. Lamb, which we'll address in a minute, and Henry Ruggs, But Jerry Judy is the most well-rounded receiver at Alabama. Great route runner. He has Julio Jones comparisons at points. He he just runs the routes really well. He's pretty big. He went. He played his ballgame still, even though he was going to be a top draft pick. And I think that sh- shows some character. And not to say though that other players like Henry Ruggs aren't top-notch athletes and aren't good people. But I think Jerry Judy is going to be a very talented receiver, and he'll obviously be first off the board. And then the highest reward, even though it could be Jerry Judy, I think it'll be CeeDee Lamb, who's really tall, really strong, really fast, he has all these characteristics. He makes amazing catches. You should see, search up the NFL Combine and C.D. Lamb's catch at the NFL Combine. He has this really good catch where he jumps up. And he has this ability to jump and catch the ball really high, but also get down really quickly and land with two feet inbounds, which is what you need in the NFL. And often receivers have trouble adjusting to having two feet instead of one foot in the NFL. And then your bust will be Justin Jefferson. I need to drill this into LSU fan minds and all these players' minds and people like the Eagles who might draft him. Justin Jefferson is not that good. He's a product of the system. He was sitting in a great system with a great – he had a great offensive coordinator in Joe Grady coming from the Saints, a good quarterback in Joe Burrow. He had other great receivers taking the targets off him like Jamar Chase, who's a generational receiver who we drafted – easily top ten next year. He had another good receiver in Terrace Marshall on that team. He had great tight ends. He had an amazing offense line for his quarterback. He had great running back. He was never getting double covered. If you can't go into the college level and get double covered and still get the ball like C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, all those people, you're not going to end up being amazing. He's a product of the system, and he won't end up being an NFL star. He didn't run incredibly fast. He's not incredibly – he doesn't jump all that well. He doesn't have that characteristic that says, wow, I should draft this guy. He's going to be amazing. Our late-round pick for the wide receivers is LaVisca Chenault. This was a Colorado receiver. You may have never heard his name before, but he is one of the most talented receivers in this group. He's not incredibly fast, but he's played – He when he was at Colorado, he would run the ball. He would catch the ball. He's very versatile. And sometimes, occasionally, they'd have him play quarterback. Even he was just really, really good. Levis Chenault, he had thousand, he had over a thousand overall yards over the last both se- of the last two seasons. He, Lavisca Chenault, just keeps getting the ball. He finds ways to get the ball, whether that be catching it, running with it, doing anything. But he is a player you want on his team because he's always going to work hard, and he's always going to catch the ball. And if you have a player who can work hard and always get to the ball, They those are players that will end up succeeding in the NFL. Finally, we're going to talk about our offensive line. I don't have certain things like first off the board, highest uh, reward, bust, and late-round jewel kind of players for the offensive line because, honestly, who cares? They're offensive linemen. But um, this is a very talented year for offensive linemen. A lot of teams are looking for offensive linemen, that's good this year. You have a lot of good offensive tackles with prospects like Mekhi Becton from Louisville, really good player. Blocked for uh, Lamar Jackson for a couple of years there. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, who just seems to be churning out tight end and offensive linemen after tight end and offensive linemen. And then you have Jadrick Wills from Alabama, who protected Tua for a couple of years, even though you could argue he didn't protect him all that well if Tua kept getting injured repeatedly. These are still some, you have a lot of good prospects on the offensive line this year, so it's a great year to go up and get your top offensive line prospect. And you can even wait till like the 12th or 13th pick to get an All-Pro offensive lineman this year. So overall, in this in on the offensive side, of this draft you have a strong you have a top-heavy quarterback group with a bunch of top good top quarterbacks that falls off. You have a running back group that's pretty weak. You have a solid. You have a like a generational wide receiver group that's something compared to the 2014 wide receiver group with Odell, Jarvis Landry, Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks who we talked about a minute ago. And many, many other 24 teams here. Sammy Watkins, all these different 24 teams. And then you have a solid offensive lineman group. You have those That's your NFL offensive NFL draft preparation right there. And those are the players to know for your teams on the offensive side of the NFL draft. We'll continue in our Friday episode, the defensive side of the NFL draft. And we'll bring a guest in to talk about the defensive side of the NFL draft and who they think will pick who. On both defensive and offensive sides of that. Can't wait to do that. Hope you tune in for that. We'll see that in a minute. So in summary of our episode today, it was mainly football as man knows because that's really the only sport that's still has anything going on right now. But we talked about different We talked about all the news in the past week, and then we went into our debate with our guest today, which was the Houston versus L.A. Rams, and see if either would be a playoff team. We disagreed. I think Houston would be a playoff team. She thought that neither would be a playoff team at any chance, but you can see the points on both sides. We did our NFL free agency recap, talking about what all happened and who all we think were good, who all we think are bad. And then we talked about our offensive draft board and to see who all the good offensive pro- prospects are in this year's draft. Uh, feel free to share with your friends. In fact, we encourage you to share with your friends. Please give us comments. We're going to keep to um, fine-tuning this until we have it really ready to go and get going here. But please share with anybody you know who like who likes to listen about sports because we want to keep getting it better and better. And we want comments to see, to for what you think we can do better and how we can make it more... Communicative. we're trying to make this podcast very like to from a fan's point of view what would make a fan seem like what a fan would see because you don't want to focus on just the stats like all those espn things are like the fancy people talking about the stats we like to be the normal people who sit down on saturdays and watch football and do things like that who are able to talk about the sports with you but aren't talking about it from just the point of view of someone who's getting paid thousands of dollars to talk about it every day so please comment and tell us what we can do better. Sending questions, because next Monday on our podcast, we'll, we might be talking about questions kind of depending on what we get here and what kind of questions we get. We, even though at this point we might not get all that many questions because we're not sharing this with all that many people, we'll see where pub, how we get this publicized and how we get it out right now. But please do feel free to send in questions for next week about anything involving any sort of sport and what you want us to answer and share with your friends as i said share with your friends family get out to anybody you can we want to keep spreading and to build up the listening group on our uh, spotify and on our apple podcasts this way upload both by the way apple and spotify So thank you for tuning in. As I know, it was mainly football. Sorry for those baseball and basketball hockey fans out there. But that's really the only thing going on right now. So we'll keep you informed. We'll be uploading episode Friday morning, assuming everything goes well. So feel free to tune back in and please share with everybody you know. Thank you so much. We'll continue to have no commercials at any point here, no sponsored segments. Thanks to Anchor. Thank you, Anchor, for giving us this chance to work here. And get this done and make it really easy so yeah here we go thank you for tuning in see you on friday